Hello, I'm Dr. Joseph Kern, Senior Pastor of Radiant Life Church. I hope you find this message informative, inspiring, and most of all, spiritually uplifting. And now, let's get into the Word of God. How many are ready for some manna this morning? I'm going to talk about some really exciting sex. Come on. You all knew about it. It's been written down for so you knew what I was going to talk about today. I make no apologies. Um, I'm not politically correct, and I won't be gentle. So know that. And you already knew that, so if you have your kids here, in fact, you're, you sh- I'm glad you have your kids here, because they need to hear it. Um, we've been doing a series on the rise and fall of, of Lucifer. The first eight weeks were on the past and its prophetic significance. Powerful. The last eight weeks, and we're on, I think, the sixth week, yeah, sixth week of the second half, and what we... T- what we've been talking about is how do I battle the enemy? And what you don't realize, or maybe you do, is that we're in a spiritual warfare. And one of the greatest traps that Satan has set up is what I call the sex trap. And, it, and all you got to do is look around and you know that it's working really well. And um, in fact, here's what I put at the top of my notes. Satan's sex trap, Satan's most powerful trap for Christians. His number one tactic is used to keep God's blessing from your life. This is the number one tactic to keep God's blessing from your life. Let's pray the prayer we pray every week. Put your hands on your eyes. Say, Father, give me 40 vision by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, everybody said, amen, amen. In 2011, I was praying for the world. Yes, I'm a local pastor. Yes, I minister in a local congregation, but my calling is for the world. I have a hunger for the world because my heart is like Jesus. I hunger to see the whole world saved. Now, I may never win, even one fourth the world, but my goal will always be to see the world saved, amen? Because I love, for God so loved the world, he gave his son, and I love the world too. Not the system, the people. And when I was in a fasting, uh, uh, we were actually doing our fasting at that time. And back then, we didn't do 10 days like we do now. Back then, we used to do 21 days. And I think it was like the, one of the, towards the end of the, the fast, the Lord visited me. And he gave me two visions. And I've only shared this once. That was 2011, whatever that is, six, seven years, six years ago. And I'm sharing it today. And... The first vision, it's called how the perverse spirit has affected the world. The Lord gave me two visions about how Satan is trying to destroy our country through sex, which I call the sex trap. The first vision is about how it affects the world. The second one is how it affects the church. And so let's just go into it. Here we go. It happened on October 7th, 2011. First vision, how the perverse spirit has affected the world. Play. First vision, how the perverse spirit has affected the world. I was walking in a seedy part of town, walking outside of a small building that was like a video and alcohol corner store. As I walked around, there were people of all races, sex, and ages engaged in variant sexual activities right in the open. Some were in cars, some in outdoor tents, most just in the open. There were groupies, couples, and various numbers of people engaged in every type of sexual activity. Most shocking was that young children were involved. They all appeared in a trance-like state, almost robotic. Nothing in life mattered other than just engaging in 
this illicit sexual activity. They were oblivious to me and the person giving me this tour showing me this sad state of affairs. They appeared hopeless and lifeless. There was nothing romantic about it. It wasn't about love, just raw, sexual eroticism. It seemed life to them was only about reaching an orgasm or some sexual stimulation. There were many trying to be stimulated that couldn't, but it didn't stop their grotesque attempts from trying to be. When you're praying and fasting, you have a, a, a vision like this. This is not what you're asking for. It's not what you're expecting. But isn't it crazy that even though this sermon was written about four months ago, and in it, the intro is about an article on 60 teachers who've had illicit affairs with children. What is crazy is that when I had this vision, the scary part was that many children were involved. Many ch- and it, it, it bothered me so much. I mean, you expect it, but children, that's why we're speaking about this. And it is interesting, even though you're about to hear something that was written four months ago, I wake up this morning, the first thing I do is I check the news. And guess what? It's the top of Fox. Look at this. Inside the minds of women who have sex with boys. That was the top thing. Open this morning, Laura Lynn Cross, 36, charged with sexual battery in Ohio after giving birth to her former student's child, joins the growing number of women accused are convicted of having sex with adolescents. About two weeks ago, Georgia woman, Angeline McNulty, 25, was charged with having sex with a 15-year-old boy. Parents, listen, you got to watch. When I was little, we used to learn about stranger danger and about these old, nasty men. Guess what? It's not old, nasty men. It's these young, hot-looking teachers now. Not one of them is ugly when you see their pictures. It has nothing to do with the face and ugly. There's a perverse spirit that's been released. And you're not looking at old, ugly men. It's young, young, pretty women you have to watch out for. Probably shocking you. She was charged with having sex with a 15-year-old boy. Last week, Lee Annette Williams, 50, of North Carolina, was charged with statutory rape of a former student when the now 22-year-old man was 14. What is going on? In other words, is there proof to this attack on the world that we're just becoming overly sexed, overly bombarded with sexual perversion? Occupy Wall Street, excuse me, they had protests in 2011, and this is something probably the news didn't tell you. There were many open sexual encounters taking place. So many girls were being raped, listen to this, that they had to open up a tent to care for them. One woman interviewed on Wall Street witnessed at least 10 incidences of groping and a man who got raped. Even men were getting raped. Protesters that occupied Baltimore refused to help a woman who was raped in their midst. Another occupier who was groping women was trying to make other protesters drink urine. Oh, yeah. And you know what? At all those protests, there's a lot of this kind of stuff that goes on. Female. There's there's an article called 40 Female Teachers. Um, I just want to give you a few of them. I have six. I don't know if we'll go that because it, it just gets to me. Case number one, Deborah Lafave. Why don't you look at her? That's not what I learned with Stranger Danger when I was a boy. This 23-year-old newlywed at the time was working as an English teacher at Angelo El Greco Middle School in Temp- Temple, Florida. During the summer 2004, Lafave threw her entire life away for a 14-year-old student and had a multiple sexual encounters with the student one of which was in a car while the victim's 15-year-old cousin drove the vehicle. 
Deborah's case shocked the world, being that she was just getting her life officially started and that she was so beautiful. In 2005, Lafave pled guilty to two counts of lewd and lascivious battery of a, man, uh, of a minor, which resulted in her serving no real jail time as she was sentenced to three years of house arrest and seven years of formal probation. It's interesting, even the article that I just read today, that's in today's Fox News, they were, they were given the reasons why, why this is going on. Why, how is it that these young women teachers, I mean, this is happening every week. You're hearing almost every week about a female teacher seducing a young boy. Their excuse, that a lot, many of them were molested, so now they're molesting. Second was many of them are bipolar. Listen, I don't care if you're bipolar or not, you better keep your hands off my child because your dumb mind knows better than that. I told you I was going to be straight out. Come on. I don't get, you can give me all the excuses. You're, keep your hands off my boy. Keep your hand off my girl. Bipolar or not, take your medication, go somewhere. Come on, am I the only one that feels that way? And you know what the, the last part was? The last part is that it has to do with the will, that they know they have no will. They enjoy the fact that they have complete control. That's satanic. Case number two, Pamela Rogers Turner. I don't know about you, but that's not an ugly old guy. 27-year-old Pamela Rogers Turner was a physical ed teacher and coach at Centertown Elementary School. She decided to carry out a sexual relationship with one of her, listen to this, 13-year-old student over the course of three months. The two supposedly shared approximately 12 sexual encounters, including two having intercourse in the school gymnasium. In February 2005, Turner was facing five counts of sexual battery by an authoritative figure and 13 counts of statutory rape. Pamela was sentenced to eight years in prison but got out of the system after serving only nine months. After being released in 2006, Turner contact, contacted the same victim. Listen, did, did you just hear what I said? The moment she got out of prison, that same day, she contacted the same victim and sent him explicit messages, new photos and videos of herself. She just got out of prison. Couldn't wait to get out just to do it again. Listen, there's a devil that's loosed. She pled guilty to sending the child the content in January 2007 and was sentenced to additional two years in jail. Case number three, and I'm going to stop because I'm already getting fed up. I get mad just hearing this. Rachel Repress and Shelly Dufresne. I think that's how you pronounce her name. In September of 2014, two English teachers from Louisiana's Destreham High School named Rachel Repress, 25 at the time, and, and Shelly Dufresne, 33 at the same time, was arrested for allegedly luring a 16-year-old student into one of their homes and having a threesome with an underage teenager. The incident was reportedly recorded on video. The 30-year-old DeFresna was a married mother of three children. Listen to this. DeFresna took a plea deal in April 2015 that allowed her not to be placed on sex offender list and avoid jail time in St. Charles Parish. Repress was charged with failure to report DeFresna's two counts of carnal knowledge charges. She pled not guilty to her charge and is not yet to do any time for the incident. You'll find very few women get a lot of time for this. Now, the men, they throw them away. But these women, and you know a lot of the excuses, well, if I was 13, I was a boy, I would have wanted that to happen. That is the most ridiculous. That doesn't make it right. Yeah, I mean, if anyone knows a little boy, I mean, the wind moves and things start moving. Come on, talk to me. That's nature, but you can't take advantage of that. Come on, I'm, let's be real here. Oh, yeah, let's, we, we need to do this one. Case number four, Stacy Scholar. 
Stacy Scholar, the former health gym um, teacher from Southwest Ohio, took advantage of five students at Mason High School, some of which were football players. She was arrested back in 2011. One of the students had come forward and revealed to the authorities that he and a friend had intercourse with the teacher in her home. That's when several other students came forward and revealed that they too were involved in sexual acts with the teacher. Originally, Stacy was sentenced to a total of four years in prison, but was released only after a year of serving her sentence. Listen to this. This is the part that's sad. This is why there's an enemy loose. One of the victim's mothers claimed that her child lost faith in God and disregards authority figures now. What is going on here with these, these ladies, these school teachers? What's going on? I know what, I, what they say it is, bipolar, and what was the other excuse because they were abused? But I believe, listen to this. Here's what I believe is going on. I believe a big part of the problem is the easy access to the floodgate of pornography on mobile devices. See, when I was a little boy, you know how I saw pornography for the first time? My brother Willie might remember he's here. (laughs) He's laughing. We had to go to a guy named Neil. I don't know if you remember Neil. But he, he lived up in the corner, and, and in order to look at pornography, you had to go to Neil's house. So we'd all go to Neil's house, and he'd have these magazines under his bed, and we'd pull out and go, oh my God, look at, she got boobies, you know, whatever. And it wasn't even close to what you can see now, right? On a phone right now. But that's how you saw pornography. It was rare. It was hard to get to. You're, now, anybody right now, while in service, could be looking at craziness. And it's twisting the mind and it's a trap that the enemy set because he wants to put a curse in this nation. You understand it more as I keep talking. Listen to this. I'm going to shock you here. An online article by the Daily Mail, listen to this, revealed that more women watch porn on smartphones than men. See, when we grow up, you dirty men, you're so nasty. It's more women on smartphones than men. In fact, 80% of Pornhub female viewers are using mobile devices. In other words, 80% of smut watched on, on, on phones, it's women, not men. 80%. Does that shock you? Yes, no? Come on, I want to hear from you. Yeah, it shocked me. So there's something. Does that kind of understand what's going on with these young girls, though? They're millennials with their phones? They're bombarded with this stuff. I know it's not comfortable, but listen, as a preacher, we have the answer. We have the word of God, but we got to address these issues. Now, check this out. KTLA reported on February 2017. This is a few months ago. 474 arrested, 28 sexually exploited children rescued during statewide human trafficking operation. Isn't that crazy? Listen to this. A total of 474 arrests were made, including 142 males on solicitation charges and 36 males on suspicion of pimping, according to figures provided by the Sheriff's Department. Additionally, 20 commercially and sexually exploited children and 27 adult victims were rescued. This was here in L.A., a big pedophile ring. Again, this goes with the vision that I had. In August of 2016, listen to this. NBC News reported that a massive pedophile ring, listen, with 70,000 members was busted. Worldwide. Sex with children. 230 abused children in 30 countries had been taken to safety. They were all over the world being abused. 70,000 people were involved. What is going on here? Are you ready for the second vision? I didn't play in the first service, but let's hear it in the second service. Second vision.
Second vision, the indifferent and apathetic attitude of the church. I was taken to a large park and was in a great line of people who were waiting to be fed. When I got to the front of the line, there were table among many tables layered with many foods of all kinds. Different meals cooked to perfection. You couldn't number all the different plates that were prepared for the event. There was so much to choose from. As I chose a plate to eat, I put it down on the table, almost embarrassed, because I saw a plate that looked even better. I justified my actions by thinking that I would come back and eat the plate on the side later if I hadn't gotten completely full. As I sat down in the park to eat, I noticed there were televisions all over the park playing sexually explicit music videos. I got really upset because I thought, you can't go anywhere anymore without perversion being slammed in your face. So I tried to ignore the TV screens and enjoy the feast. Behind me, I noticed a sort of organized game going on in a field. The setup reminded me of a soccer game because on the ends of the marked field was like a soccer goal. But somehow, I knew it wasn't. The people enjoying observing the game were not part of the feast. I recognized two of the athletes playing the game. One of the athletes playing on the field was a well-known Christian music artist. The other one was a chart-topping artist who later publicly confessed coming to Christ. The strange part was the cheer team. They were both male and female cheerleaders. What was unusual was the extreme sexuality of the cheers. The cheers were meant to elicit loud responses by tapping into the most debased part of mankind. You didn't need much talent to get these types of responses. The women cheerleaders had bikini-like outfits that were simply painted on them. They were completely naked other than this black paint put on them in the shape of a black bikini. They would do a cheer, jump into the air, and the male cheerleader would catch them by holding them by their waist. The female cheerleader, on cue, when caught, would open her legs, spread eagle, exposing her genitalia. People would respond with thunderous shouts and applause. I was sincerely shocked and wanted to throw up at the debauchery of it all. The people at the feast tried to ignore the game going on behind them, or at least pretend they didn't notice the debauchery taking place until one event took place. When this cheerleader exposed herself, this well-known Christian music artist ran across the field and touched the female cheerleader who had exposed herself. The reaction from the crowd was increased shouts and laughter of approval. He seemed to be electrified at the response of the game crowd and began running all over the field with intense energy. The feast people were shocked at the actions of the music artist. They all began to murmur to one another, I can't believe he just touched her. As everyone complained, I got angry with self-righteous indignation. I said, somebody has to reprimand this supposed man of God. What kind of testimony is this leaving the church and the world? His actions will have profound consequences if no one rebukes him. I went chasing him down the field to reprimand him. When he observed I was coming towards him, he began to run vigorously away, energized and almost mockingly. He didn't want me to catch up with him. He was very fast. As difficult it was to catch him, I caught up with him and pinned him into a corner. I questioned him concerning his actions and the consequences of this event in the church and the world. As he answered me, he kept nervously looking both ways, trying to find a way to get away from this conversation. He could barely keep his attention in check while he conversed with me. His response was of no repentance. It was all filled with religious garb without any accountability. He said things like it was just a show, no real harm done, and so on. That's when the vision ended. His response is what a lot of Christians say. It's just a show. What's the big deal? 
And, and let me tell you, man, when the Lord shows you things like this, you see yourself. How apathetic we as a church have grown accustomed to such perversion. We don't even talk about it. We don't even think about it. It's not even a big deal. And here's, here's let me show you how you don't notice it. I'm going to give you a little example, and this just came to you right now. We're so blind to it, but how many love coffee? How many drink Starbucks? Have any of you ever noticed the little girl that's in the front of your coffee cup? She's like this, spread eagle. Know the story of this. And they, they stop it right there, but you can still kind of see her legs open. See, let me look at me. That's what I mean. We're so, we're not even aware of things. That even in our culture, we drink coffee every day with a woman with spread eagle. And there's a reason for that. Because she would seduce the people in the sea. They're seducing you with what? Their coffee. But they're using what? Sexual. Am I telling you to boycott Starbucks? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying our culture is so inundated with it that we don't even notice things like that anymore. Okay, it's getting really quiet in here. When I saw this vision, I did not mention the first time who the artist was. There were two artists. In fact, one of them, I'll tell you this, the big artist, just recommitted his life to Christ this year. But this was seven years ago when I saw the vision. Might as well say it. It was Justin Bieber. And how many of you saw recently he quit his tour? Now, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I saw this in 2011. It's 2017. The second artist who I was rebuking, and um, I'm going to mention it because of what's just recently happened, was Kirk Franklin. And I love Kirk Franklin. But, and I just, I, after this vision, I found out that while he was writing those great songs we all love, he was addicted to pornography. I don't know if any of you heard his testimony. I didn't know that when this, I had this vision. He was big time into pornography. While he's writing these songs, and supposedly he got healed of it, and he got delivered, praise God. But here's the reason why I mention him by name. Because in t- just, just a few years ago, let's show the book. He just wrote a book called The Blueprint. And awesome. And the reason why he wrote this blue, the book called The Blueprint, I, I, I watched the interview. He says he wanted to leave um, something for his son as a manual on how to be a man. So it's a, it's a manual, a blueprint on how to be a man. He left it for his son. Hey, that's great. But I have a problem, Mr. Franklin. In 2017, this year at the American Grammys Award, show that picture. Kurt Franklin wears a red dress and leggings while performing with Chance the Rapper. Clearly, it's a transgender dress. Clearly, he's trying to say, hey, I'm with you all. I know I'm a Christian, but hey, I'm in with you. You know what? That's the kind of compromise. Why this world's so jacked up. Here you write a, a book about your son, The Blueprint. Next thing you hit, you're wearing a dress. And everyone who knows transgender, that is a transgender dress. And he knows better than that. And the reason why I'm rebuking that, because no one is saying anything. I'm going to say something. I love, am I saying not buy his album? No, I'm just saying, you know what? That is wrong, though. Men, you're not supposed to wear things that women wear. Come on. Women, stop wearing things that guys wear. Amen? That's Bible. You have a problem with it? Go tell the Lord. Amen? Now, I, these visions were given to me because it made me search what's going on here. And that's when the Lord said, it's called the sex trap. Here's what's going on. If the devil can't defeat you, I hope you're taking good notes today. He'll get you to defeat yourself. How many you know, man, that's one of the rules of war. That, in fact, there's even a, a type of martial arts where you use their strength against them. That's the kind of move that's going on in the sex trap. I'm going to use your own strength against you. 
You're going to come rain trip. I'm going to go like this. And you're going to fall on your own exercise of energy. Are you following me? Now, how? By getting you to violate God's law so that the law of sin and death, a curse, can work against you. Did you hear that? He does this by getting you to violate law so he can get out of the picture and you hurt yourself. Oh my God. And the sex drive, let me tell you how strong this is. Even after today's sermon this morning, one of my sons come to me in my office and she goes, he goes, you know what dad would happen? You just reminded me. He says, when I went to school last week, I saw this girl who just turned 18. She's a senior. She just graduated this year. And she was, she came by the school and I was surprised because she's not supposed to be there because she graduated. And he said, Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm here to see my boyfriend. And she goes, Oh, who are you dating? And he goes, and it was a teacher. A teacher. Now, she just graduated this year. You mean something? They just barely got together in the summertime? Come on. You better pay attention to what I'm saying, mothers and fathers. There's a reason why I'm saying this stuff. There's a perverse spirit that's been released in the earth. One of Satan's best weapons is to have natural law fight against you. Theologians call it walking in a curse. In fact, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 27, 20 through 23. Let's hear it. Listen really closely. It talks about a curse. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed. And all the people people shall say, say, Amen. Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Come on. Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Come on. Amen. Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. It's a lot longer than that. You know why God has to mention every type of person you can sleep with, including animals? Because we're so dumb, if he don't mention, we'll think it's okay. So he has to go, curse is he that sleeps with a raccoon. Everyone say, amen. Curse he that sleeps with a gorilla. Amen. God has to do because you will look for a loophole. Well, he didn't say anything about the drafts. Come on now. Stop it. So God has to make sure you understand there's a curse. The fastest way to move into a curse is to violate God's law of sex, which is one man with one woman in the covenant of marriage. The moment you go outside that, the Bible says, cursed. Don't get mad at me. This is the Bible. And you can't vote things in and out. Come on. God is not a democracy. He's a kingdom. He's on the throne. And what he says is law. And whoever, you know, whoever has the gold makes the rules. And the Bible says, the gold and the silver is mine, saith the Lord. The cattle on a thousand hills, the people and they that walk thereon are mine. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. I make the rules, fool. Come on. Satan knows he can't curse what God has blessed. Check this out, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Yes, did you know that if you're blessed of God, no devil can curse you? 
I don't care how powerful a warlock you have. Listen, you might not even believe in witchcraft. You know what? It's a little too late. Listen, whether you believe it or not, there still are witches, there still are warlocks. Have you not been paying attention to the news? How all these witches are gathering once a month on the full moon cursing our president? Someone believes in witchcraft. And by the way, witchcraft is the fastest growing religion in America right now. So someone told you wrong, but you may not believe in witchcraft, but there's a lot of people acting like witches and warlocks and doing curses and doing what they do. So Satan's solution, because he knows he can't bless. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you can't curse what God has blessed. Look at your other neighbor and say, you can't curse me because I'm blessed. Yeah, did you mean that? The devil cannot curse what God has blessed. Hallelujah. Now watch. I'm, I'm, you're going to learn about the sex trap though. So Satan knows this. So he, his solution He wants to give you opportunities to open the doors of disobedience in order to bring about a curse in your life on your own. He goes, I can't defeat that person, but I can get them to violate a law of God. And once they do, now I won't have to curse them. The law, thank you. I will, I'll keep on doing it. King Balak of Moab hired the sorcerer Balaam to renounce a curse on Israel. How many remember that story? King Balaam of Moab, in fact, he wasn't just any old warlock. The Bible says he was Peor of Babylon. It means the mouthpiece. He was the head warlock, top warlock in all the world. And he says, I want you to curse this nation, Israel. They just escaped by the hand of God out of Egypt, and I'm worried that they're going to try to hurt me. So you curse them so they can't touch me. Well, three times the prophet tried to curse Israel, but every time this false prophet cursed Israel, guess what happened? A blessing came out. Look at Numbers 24.10. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam and he smote his hands together and Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse my enemies and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. What's wrong with you? I gave you the money. And his answer, you can't bless what God, you can't curse what God has blessed. I can't curse them. In fact, you don't believe me? Look at Numbers 23.20-21 is his response. Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Balaam says, even if I try to speak it, God changes my words. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness. Perverseness, underline, that has to do with sexual immorality. And the Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among him. Did you know when you live holy, it's like the shout of a king's on you. You have authority. Victory. No one can come against you. Balaam says, I can't curse because there's no sin. Notice notice what he says. He says, I can't find perverseness in Israel. I can't find iniquity or sin in Jacob. Because why? Look at me and repeat. Say, sin is the door that leads to curses. Sin is the door that leads to curses. He says, I don't care how much money you pay me. I can't curse them. I am the strongest warlock. There's no one stronger than me. But even I can't curse them because I can't find sin in Israel's life. Because the power of my curses is dependent upon their walk with God. Uh Uh-oh. Just hear what I said? Because when God blesses, no man can curse it. Now, here's what's interesting. See, in the sex trap, with those visions, what God showed me is what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to bring a curse upon our nation. It's interesting. In Numbers 25, verse 9, a plague hits Israel and 24,000 die. Okay, wait a minute. Follow me. We're only two chapters later. 
In Numbers 23, they couldn't curse Israel. The shadow of a king was upon them. And two chapters later, 24,000 died because of a plague. How do you go from blessed to curse in two chapters? Oh, one way. And it's so fast, and it's why I'm telling you, because it can happen to you that quick. Here's what happened. Numbers 23, no, Numbers 25, verse 1 through 2. And Israel abode in Shittim. Let's stop right there. That says it all right there. They were in what? Come on, talk to me. What city were they in? Shittim. That, that, we can, let's go home. <laughs> it's the Bible. Don't get mad at me. And the people begin to commit what? Man, Shittim and Hordim goes together. With the daughters of who? And they begin... <laughs> And they called the people into the sacrifice of their gods and the people to eat and they bowed down to their gods. How did this nation go from where the main warlock of the world couldn't curse them and now all of a sudden they're in the land of Shittim and 24,000 died, they're in a curse. And it says, because they slept with the women of Moab. Do you know who the women of Moab were? Number one, it was their king who was trying to curse them. King Balak was their king. Moab, you know how you came to being? Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? The two daughters of Lot? They decide to prolong their genealogy so they go, one sleeps with her father one night and the other one sleeps with the father the other night. Guess who's born? Moab, who produced the Moabites and Ammon, who produced the Ammonites. These became the most promiscuous, most sexually deprived tribes in all the land. They become so perverse that later on, God says, if a Moabite gets saved, listen to this, if a Moabite gets saved, we have to wait 10 generations for them before they can even come to church. In other words, they were so deprived, so sexually messed up, that back then, they couldn't do deliverance. They said, we need to wait 10 generations to break that curse. Did you just hear what I said? Now, so this is who they're sleeping with. Now, okay. How did this happen? This, did you, here's the crazy part. Did you know this was actually planned? Get ready. I'm about to tell you some stuff. How did this happen? You got to go to Numbers 31, 16. It was actually plotted. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Isn't that crazy? Balak hired Balaam, the major warlock of Babylon, and he couldn't curse him. He says, I can't because they're blessed. There's no sin. But he later tells Balak a little recipe of disaster. He says, you know, you hired me and you paid me and I couldn't do nothing, but I'm going to tell you a secret that I know. It's it's 101 in spiritual warfare. Your women are known to be hot. The Moab women are known to be the most sedu- seducing women in all of the world. Get them in the desert to seduce the men. The men will sleep with them because their seduction power is like no other. And God will curse them himself. See you later. And that's exactly what happened. Literally. Now people think I'm joking when I say this. But he got the women of Moab, they're in the middle of a desert, and they got their poles out and started dancing on them. And boy, could they work that pole. 
Now, you guys think I'm kidding. No, it's called the Asherah pole. Where do you think all that came from? That goes all the way back. The Moabites are the one who came up with the dancing pole. It's called the Asherah pole. It's supposed to be a phallic. It's supposed to be a penis, and they're just all over it. And y'all you you all think you made that up. This comes all the way back from the Moabites. They're literally in the wilderness. Men, I have... Listen, listen, come here, follow me. If you're driving the wilderness, all of a sudden you see a bunch of naked women on a pole, run away. That's a setup. Number one, you shouldn't be seeing all these women in the wilderness. Come on, talk to me. Get out of there. There's something, mm, there's something wrong. They're all sexy on a pole. Oh, I need to go the other way. Come on, talk to me. But the, the children of Israel, dumb like sheep. Oh, whoa. And they went over there, had sex with them, started having orgies, and a plague hit. 24,000 died in one day. What all the witches couldn't do, they did to themselves by just saying, bring it on, baby. Remember, there's a plan. You're going, what's going on with all these teachers? What's there's a satanic plot to destroy this country. Even today, with all the anti-religion in our country, doesn't matter who the president, they always end with, God bless United States of America and God bless our country, right? Because there's been a tradition of blessing on this country. And what is the enemy? He hates America. He wants us to fight. I mean, look at, I mean, even with this interracial thing going on, really, come on now. We love each other. Look at this church. There ain't no statue going to take that away from me. I'm not for or against. I'm just saying, you notice how the enemy tries to get us fighting about something that's dead? Some dead statue? Tear it down, keep it. I don't care. I don't even want to look at it. But why should that affect my relationship? That's not done on accident. Keep us fighting and bickering and hating each other and not trusting one another. You like a statue, you do. And now we're fighting because one likes a statue and one doesn't. Really? Come on now. That's satanic. But it's all rooted in the same devil who wants to destroy this nation by, I can't curse them, but let's just get them all just nasty, perverted, and just doing whatever they want, twerking everywhere. Just, I mean, you can't even go nowhere without someone twerking. Come on, put your butt back in there. What's wrong with you? Got like an ever-ready battery back there. Stop that, man. That's just... You, you, you all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm a pastor. If I know these things, I'm sure you know about these things. You think that's an accident? There's a curse trying to release a spirit of perversion on this world so that we walk in it. And now the devil don't have to do anything. We're just cursed. And if we're getting ready for what I just said for the greatest revival of all, don't you think the enemy would put on that onslaught even greater? Come on, saints, wake up. Here's what's interesting. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It says, neither give place to the devil. That's why the Bible says give no place to the devil. What does that mean? Give no place to the devil. If it's your phone, get an old phone that's stupid. Not a smartphone, get a dumb phone. If it's your cable, cut it off. Cut its head off. If it's a computer, get something that has no, no pictures on it. Do something. If it's cable, get rid of it. Did you hear what I'm saying? Give no place to the devil. Don't even let his foot get in the door. Pastor, the only time I lust is when I go to the to the titty bar over there. Well, stop going there. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. I told you I was going to just say straight out. People talk to me like that. What, what, yeah? Pastor, I never lust except when I look at those dirty magazines. Burn them. Get rid of them. 
And all that nasty jesting at work that lady's telling you, you need to get her away from you or him, whoever he is or she. In fact, this Old Testament passage, Paul uses it to remind us. So this passage about Israel isn't just for the Israelites. It is actually for us. Play audio, um, 1 Corinthians 10, 4 through 13. Let's hear this. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't that powerful? And here's what's interesting. The passage to remind you to stop fornicating, he reads the same passage we just read in, in Numbers. And notice verse 6, he says, now these were for our example. Talking about the passage in Numbers 25. Verse 11, now all these things happen for our example. Verse 11b, and these are written for our admonition. I think the scripture's trying to warn us that we're supposed to pay attention to this example. Three times he tells us, now this is for you. Hello, it's not just some Old Testament story. Of, oh, remember Balaam, Balaam? No, it's for you. In other words, any of you can be in that same position as the children of Israel with the Moabite daughters. The Moabite daughters for you might be an internet connection. Moabite daughters might be a website. It might be a place you go to. It might be a magazine, but she's there. And the Bible says there's a warning to everyone, look at to not to think they are above this form of temptation. Any one of us can be a dummy once in a while. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care if you're the Pope. I don't care if you've been pastoring 30 years as I. Every one of us has to be aware because at any given moment, we can play the fool. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it sure does give you a bad reputation. You only have to fall once. You can live life wholly not. I've seen this. I've, I've met people who, I mean, they've lived life 20 years and they truly never, and they made one mistake and now everyone knows them for that one mistake the rest of their life. It doesn't matter if they live 20 years holy. One time they made, but guess what? That's all it takes. It takes a lifetime to build integrity. Listen up, people. It takes only one minute to destroy that reputation. Come on. I, say, he's talking to me. Look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, it describes David. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. This is a word to King Saul about King David. And this, did you know that David is the only person in the Bible where God says he has a heart like me? What a compliment. What a compliment that only one man, and he ends up being Jesus' great, 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 great granddad. And he says, 
that dude has a heart like me. But as a young person reading the scripture, I was a little confused because I didn't understand the ways of life and David had some trouble. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, the man who had a heart like God also had some lust. Let's hear it. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. Isn't it interesting, a man who the Bible says had a heart like God also had a little nastiness in him. Even the greatest men and women can still make mistakes. Don't ever forget that. And here's this man of God, and the Bible says he was supposed to be at war, but he said, you know what, I'm getting older, I'm going to stay behind. And here's David, he, he lives in the palace. He has the highest building in Jerusalem. And he just so happened, I think I'll go in the evening time and look over my balcony. Now he knew darn well every woman was taking their bath at that time. It's kind of like, oh, let's go see what's on cable tonight. Let's see what's on my phone. You know what's there? They're taking a bath. They're twerking. <laughs> And what does he do? He gets, he decides to take a bath with Sheba. Bathsheba's her name, amen? Brings her over. And what's crazy, she gets pregnant and then he tries to hide it. And when that didn't work, he killed the man. Wait, I thought this guy had a heart like God. How do you go from a heart like God and in one sexual moment, you went from a blessing to a curse, even to murder? That's how fast you can descend the rabbit hole when you give yourself over to sexual fornication. You can go from a complete blessed to fornication and now I'm willing to lie. Now I'm committing murder to hide it. Golly. Do you notice? Now the devil, if you know the story of David, the devil was constantly trying to destroy David's life. Tried to kill him how many times? And, but you can't curse that which God is what? So what does the devil do? Here, David, look at this. Look good, doesn't it? And now the devil just walked away and watched the curses fall. I don't have to do anything. Done. See you later. The devil made me. No, he didn't. You did it. The devil didn't make you look at that. The devil didn't make you do that. He didn't make you pull your pants. None of that. Now, check this out. Immediately, he went from blessing to cursing. Go to 2 Samuel 12, 9 through 12. Let's hear it. Listen to the curses that happened to David. Why have you despised the commandment of Ooh, the Lord to do evil in his sight? Oh, you have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. 
you have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. Ouch. He said, David, you did it secretly. But what I'm about to do back to you, everyone's going to know about it. It's going to be seen in your housetop. That's where, remember where Jesus said, whatever you do in secret shall be shouted on the housetop? He's referring to David's sexual sin. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. David, because he did it, three curses came into his life. Number one, he says, since the only time you do good is when you're fighting, I'm going to make sure you fight forever. You will never live without having to go to war because the only time you do right is when you're so busy, you don't have time to be dipping and sipping. Now, how many of you would love a prophecy like that? You come to me and I say, you will always be at war because that's the only time you do right. It's not really a blessing. God's saying, that's the only way I can keep you straight. I got to keep you busy. That's a curse. Second one, he says, because of what you've done, it's going to affect your family line. And of course, he has a son by the name of Solomon and people always wonder, why doesn't Jesus speak really highly of Solomon? Whenever he mentions Solomon, he mentions him in almost in like, he ain't all that. Even the flowers are better than Solomon, right? You've read the scriptures. Here's why. Because when Solomon was born, that spirit of lust that was in his dad was a thousand times greater than him. In fact, he had papers on a thousand women. 300 he was married to, 700 were concubines just to have sex with. And according to the scriptures, he was able to satisfy all of them. Now, let me explain this to you. When you can satisfy a thousand men, or excuse me, a thousand women, you're some, I mean, you got, a, you got issues. And the time it takes just to, come on. So, oh, that's a great man. No, he's a fool. His life was consumed with lust. He lived just for the next orgasm. Talking about Solomon. The kingdom was divided because of him. In fact, one psalmist said it like this. He almost sounds blasphemous. He says, I know more than all the ancients. Now, how can he say that? Because according to the scripture, Solomon would always be the what? Wisest. But he says, I know even more than Solomon. What? You're violating scripture. He says, because I obey the commandments of my God. Solomon had wisdom, but he didn't know how to walk in it. So when you obey the wisdom of God, you're wiser than Solomon, Kev. But let's keep going forward. So here's the worst part. He says, what you did, you tried to hide it. But what I'm going to do to you, I'm going to let everyone see it. This is God telling his best friend, David. Why? High responsible. He was the king. He says, I got to expose you so everyone knows if I'll do this to you, I'll do it to others. He says, because you slept with Uriah the Hittite's wife in secret, he says, someone's going to come and sleep with all your wives on this housetop. Ooh. Guess what? He had a son named Absalom. Remember the guy with the crazy long hair? Nice hair. He decided he wanted to be king. David says, I don't want to fight my own son. I love him. So he leaves Jerusalem. 
But he has to leave quickly because his son's coming. He doesn't want to fight his son. So he leaves everyone behind but himself. Guess who's all in the house? All his wives. Guess what his son does? He says, get up there, women. Come on. He gets them all on top of the rooftop and gets his nasty on. In front of all the kids. In front on the housetop. In front of everyone so they can know he's the man. Can you imagine you're the husband and watching this fool having an orgy with your wives for everyone to watch it? See, sometimes we don't understand. Well, we don't understand. God knows how to get to you. That was God. God says, listen, fool, you don't do right. This is what happens. Look at that curse. No, no, why David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. He said that after this happened. What's my point? The enemy wants to destroy you. The quickest way is through what? Sexual sin. So just know this. You got some hot babe trying to get with you and you're married. Already know that the enemy's trying to curse you. It's not because you all that. You old and frumpy. Come on, quit it. And you 40-year-old ladies, come on now. Gravity's attacked you more than, come on. It ain't because you all that. No, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be nice. My wife told me to be nice. She can preach. She, she's going to in two weeks. Because we need to hear the truth. That guy ain't after you because of your figure. I'm telling you right now. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to say it in the nicest way I can say it. But there really isn't. I, I'm trying to. That's why I'm pausing, honey. You just need to know that that's the plan of the enemy. It's not, because a lot of people, we get into this, and here's why. I talk to these people. Well, you know, he makes me feel sexy. He made me, I feel, he, he, he don't care about all that. She don't care about all that. You need to deal with your issues. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's not going to satisfy you. It may for a minute, but when that curse comes, you're going to cry like David did. If you do what David did, you'll get what David got. Isn't it interesting, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that same chapter says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. You know what that means? That sexual temptation is common to all men. The Greek word men is anthropinos, meaning humankind. In other words, you ain't going through something unique. For some reason, when people are going through sexual oh, you don't understand, Pastor. What do you mean? All mankind goes through sexual temptation. All. Say all. No, you ever met someone, they think like somehow their stuff hurts more than other people's stuff? Like just the ache? Come on, come on, man. I don't know how to say it nicely. There's no nice way. You are not alone in this. All of us go through sexual temptation. All of us have aches and burns. All of us. That's why you just learn how to, what, what do we do with it? Here it is, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 through 14. I'm, gonna t- I'm telling you how to deal with it. Say, so he's going to teach us right now. There have no temptation. Let me see. Let's go to. Yes, here it goes. Verse 13. There have no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that ye are able. But with the temptation, I'll also make a what? Way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. And wherewith, my dearly beloved, here's the one underlined flee from idolatry. In other words, check this out. 
The Bible says that I, he don't care what kind of temptation you're in. If you love God, he'll find a way of escape for you. You know what the problem is? Oftentimes there's a way of escape, but you ain't taking it. I, I think of the movie when, when even, um, um, what's his name? Um, Bruce Almighty. When he's praying to God, he says, oh God, please show me a sign. There's these signs coming. Oh God, please show me a sign. All these signs and he's ignoring them. That's what happens with us. A lot of time God has given you a sign. Many times God has given you a way of escape, but you're ignoring it. And I'm saying, open your eyes and look for the escape. Because he says, he'll make sure he gets you that you can bear through it. He'll give you a way of escape. And then he says, what? Flee from what? In other words, run, Forrest, run. Come on, show that video. Come on. Run for it. This is you. Run for it. Come on. That's you. Come on. Let's get to the line. Move it. Run, Forrest. Run. That's what you got to do. Look at your neighbor say, that's what you got to do. Look at that. Look at that intenseness. You got to run like an auto bills right behind you. Come on. Every time when it talks about fornication, it says flee. Run, Forrest, run. Look at 1 Timothy 6.11. But thou, man of God, flee these things. Run and fall out to righteousness. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also what? Youthful lust. There's a lot of people with youthful lust. But what do you got to do with that youthful lust? Run, Forrest, run. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, run for us, run. I'm not even being funny. It is funny. But the scripture says you got to run. There's some things you can't even wait for an explanation. You don't even have that kind of time. You need to, the moment that conversation. Right? Some conversation, you just run. If they think you're crazy, hey, I'm Forrest Jr. I'm running. I'm jetting out of here. Now, if you, if you go to Genesis 39, this is the last scripture. I'm closing. Wow. Genesis 39, 6 through 12. Let's listen to this. It's the story of Joseph. Listen closely. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Lie with me. But he refused. Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me. But you, because you are his wife... How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment. How? Oh. Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Did you hear that? Run, Forrest, run. Joseph 
came in at 17 years old, handsome. God said he was going to rule the world. Everyone knew, everyone knew the dreams of Joseph. Father, mother, sons, brothers. He's going to rule the world. What is the first thing the devil tried to do to get him from ruling the world? Let's get him to fall into sexual temptation because you can't curse what God is blessed. And the Bible says everywhere that Joseph went, he was prospered for the Lord was with him. So what does the devil do? Let's get this woman to seduce him and then I don't have to worry about him. He won't rule no world because he'll disqualify himself. Oh, did you just hear what I just said? This is the oldest trick in the book and we fall for it every day. I have to counsel people on daily basis. Didn't I just talk about this Sunday? Yeah. So watch, check this out, Joseph, right? The Bible says she eyed him with that look, you know, that lustful look. She must have had it. She, she, she got it going on day by day. So there was not a day where she did not give, and she would look at him, the Bible says, and she would say, lie with me. Now check this out. This wasn't a suggestion. This was a command. You're my slave. I'm the owner. You will have sex with me. You will rock my world right now. And he says, no, I won't. Isn't that crazy? Why? Joseph could easily compromise, say, well, Lord, you're the one who put me in the slavery position. I have to do what she tells me. She's the boss. Uh, she's, you know, I'm a slave and, you know, I have no rights and whatever she tells me, I have to do it even if it's nasty. You know how many people would have, e in fact, you know how many people did do that? You know why she did this with Joseph? Because she did it with every other slave too. Joseph was the only one that spoke up. Why? Because her husband was a eunuch. Go study. He wasn't, he didn't have anything to work with. So she took it out on the servants. Read the whole, it's all in the Bible. And he says, now here's what's, here's that mind-blowing thing. And I'm going to close. It absolutely is mind-blowing. Because he looks at her and he says, if I have such a relationship with you, I will be sinning against my master, your husband, and I will be sinning against God. Therefore, every time she said, lie with me, he took off and ran. Even one point, the Bible says he, she grabbed him, threw him down, and she said, lie with me. Now she's like, you're going to lie with me, whether you like it or not. And the Bible says he got up. She kept his clothes, but he still ran like Forrest. Come on. Ran, run, Forrest, run. And it's, that is absolutely profound. And I know, unless you're here in the first service, you don't understand the profoundness. And you're going, why is he making such a big deal about that? Here's why. He said, I can't make love to you because I'd be sinning against my God. And you go, why is that so profound? How would he know that? Moses would not be born for another 400 years. Moses would deliver the people out of Egypt after 400 years of bondage. This is the first time they're coming in. Joseph is the first one to enter into Egypt. And Moses is the one who wrote the first five books of the law called the Torah. He's the one who wrote Exodus 20 on tablets of stone where God says, thou shalt not, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not. The Ten Commandments. Moses wrote that 400 years later. How would Joseph know that you're not supposed to fornicate when there wasn't even a written law for it? How would he know that that is wrong when there's no written law saying thou shalt not? Yet in his heart, he says, I can because I'll be sinning against my God because I'll be, if I do this with you, I'm sinning. How would he know that? Because his relationship was so deep that he didn't need a written commandment. 
His relationship was so deep. God didn't even need Ten Commandments. He just knew I could speak in your heart and show you that's wrong and you know it. Why is that so deep? We got Christians now. Got the Bible, 20 of them. Got it on their phone. They have the Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus. They have prayers, they have church, and they still can't remember, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, the devil, he's so strong. Hell, he is. They didn't even have spiritual warfare in Joseph's day. And he still was able to do it with his own will. So the devil, the, the devil, remember what I told you, you're like that elephant chained and you don't know you're stronger than its chain? Who told you you can't break that chain? Who told you you have to sleep with everyone you look at? Who told you you have to open up to every man that asks you? Who told you that? Joseph! Just from his relationship with God knew, I can't, I can't sin against my God. With no written commandment, it wouldn't come for another 400 years. You can hear the heart of the Holy Spirit and Jesus weeping, what's wrong with my people? Joseph didn't need a law. Why do you need 20 of them? 10 of them. Why can't you know through your intimacy with God know that that's evil? That's deep. And I say that because we shouldn't have a law for everything that's wrong. We should, by relationship with God, would know. That, I'm not watching that. I'm not looking at that. That, that mouth, that whatever, you know, that, that's just too much cussing for me. That, not being religious, but knowing that I love God and I love his presence. And I don't want him to be grieved. I, don't, I, I want him always near me. If that's not your desire, well, you probably shouldn't even be here today. But for many of us, we're crying out to God and we're wondering why we feel like we're in the middle of a wilderness and God's so far away. It's because we've bought into the curse. We've allowed sexual temptations to come. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And Satan just moved out of the way. He, and we're mad at the devil and tells I didn't do it. <laughs> you did it. And this is such, look around us. You know I'm telling the truth. The perversion that's hit this nation because he's trying to stop a move of God. And he gets into the church and he tries to mess with church people. Gets into our schools like the experience my son had the other day. And But what we're doing is we're exposing and we're saying, you know what, Lord? I'm not going to walk in that curse. I'm not going to allow sexual perversion to rule my life. I'm not going to allow it to rule my eyes. I'm not going to allow it to rule my heart. I'm not going to allow it to rule my mind. Because I belong to you and to you alone. Amen? And I want to reiterate, if I said anything offensive, I wasn't trying to be. And even my wife was warning me because sometimes I do. I go too far. I don't mean to. I want you to see my heart that I'm trying to warn you that even in my comments earlier, sometimes you think you're all that, but you're not. That's just the enemy. You understand? That's what I was trying to say. I'm not making fun of your bodies. and I'm trying to say, it's not all about that. The enemy just wants to bring you down is what I was trying to say. And I'm tired of seeing such beautiful women brought down and beautiful men too. But I lean more towards the beautiful women. I have a heart for women. Always have but I have a heart for this whole church. And you know what? I'm going to stop right there. Let us stand in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being patient. We will finish this teaching, the sex trap, next week because 
today I was just trying to show you the, what the enemy's trying to do with all this perversion. He's trying to put a curse on you, on your family, on this nation. Next week, I want to get into how to break if you have like serious bondage, sexual bondage. Some people have given over to sexual bondage so bad it's like a drug. You understand? It's a little prayer won't do. They need ongoing help. And next week, I want to deal with that. Specifically, we're going to talk about soul ties and how it comes and how to break it. In fact, next week, I'm going to have prayers, specific prayers I've written to break that type of curse over your life. Oh, it's going to be good. And also, you've been learning for the last four weeks that what is our weapon? What's our weapon? The Word of God. So I put together five pages of scriptures just on sexual temptations that you can what? See, this ain't a church where you just come in here. No, I'm going to give you some ammunition, some bazookas. And say, Pastor, where would all those scriptures come? Well, I'll admit, three of them came from my own life. Because this is not uncommon to what? I have tons of them. I'm 47 years old and I still have to say in the name of Jesus, Oh no, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a maiden. Job. Pastor, how do you know that scripture? I've been quoting it for 20 years. <laughs> I will set my eye on no wicked thing. That's in the Bible? Yes. Are you hearing me? Greater is he that's in me than he that is what? In the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the... Why do you know those scriptures by heart, Pastor? That's what I quote when I feel tempted. Pastor, you feel tempted? Of course! There is no temptation new to man. All of us. The difference is I've been overcoming for 30 years. Not giving in. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you all my bazookas. You're going to have it on your phone like about five I mean you're going to love this that you can quote to overcome this addiction these things there's going to be a prayer that I wrote specifically that I've cast devils out of people praying this prayer isn't that exciting you're going to have it in your possession isn't that cool so even if you're not here if you're online you can download it download next week's notes but today there's some that are watching online there may be some in here if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your life he's the only way to heaven I beg of you to ask Christ into your life today whether you're here or online there's no way to heaven but through him if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart I want you to say this prayer with me let's all say it together say father I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins but he rose again I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior come into my heart I give you my life my mind, my heart my soul, my body, everything the good the bad and the ugly I completely surrender to you I just felt the presence of the Holy Ghost enter someone say Holy Spirit fill me I thank you for my salvation in Jesus' name. Somebody just said that with a just sincere heart. I saw it. I felt it. Some people may be struggling with some type of sexual addiction. And here's what I'm going to do. If you do, you're not alone. A lot of people in church suffer, suffer from that. If Whether you receive Christ right now or you just would like prayer or prayer maybe you've never done anything wrong but you can feel the temptations coming and you want to be strong the bible says we confess that to one another why so that we may be 
healed. We confess to the Lord so we'll be forgiven, but we confess to one another. If you're struggling any way, please don't be embarrassed. I want you to come up right now and we're going to pray for you right now. I don't care who you are. I'm going to take the next few minutes and we want to pray. If you just received Christ for the first time, those who are online, please email me at contact team at radiantlifeaz.com. Amen. Keep on coming. Amen. Let's pray for one another. Now, I know there's a lot more that suffer with this than, than these three or four here. So we're just going to keep, your pride will keep you from walking in deliverance. Thank you. Amen. Let's, can you lead us in a, in a verse? And we'll go home in about two minutes. Let's join them. Uh, before we go, give us two more minutes. Bridget, I want you to, Pastor Bridget, I want you to do the, what you told me right now makes sense. Remember what I was saying earlier in the service? A good friend of mine gave me this. And I was reminded about what I was talking about earlier tonight or earlier today. And I watch people. I watch you come in every single week. And I watch people come in and leave the exact same way you came. And this is a little light switch. She gave it to me so that I can look inside my purse when it's dark. <laughs> and when you turn it on, you notice I can stare at it all I want. I can pray for it and they can cast the devil out of it or wouldn't it be easier just to connect to the power source and turn the darn thing on and then I can see all the darkness in my life if you're sitting there today and you know that there are dark areas in your life don't leave this place don't wait till Monday morning don't say I can handle it all on my own you're struggling Come on down to the altar. This is the place where the miracle of God takes place. Don't leave this place the same way you came. I know it because I intercede for people all during the week. And we will sit in church and we will lie to ourselves. And we will lie to our wives and we will lie to our husbands. But I want you to know something today. That God sees the darkness in your light. And all he's wait, waiting for is for you to have enough faith. And to put your pride to the side and turn the light on and connect yourself to the power source. He is the power source. He is the light to the world. And I see a lot of people nodding. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I really want you to connect to the message that pastor is preaching today. Don't leave this place the same way you came. Don't leave this place the same way you came. Don't assume that you're going to have another opportunity to stand before the Lord. I'm sick of the church fighting with no bullets in their weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God through pulling down on strongholds. And one of the strongholds for people that come to church is that the word is for everyone else, but it's not for me. If you are struggling with anything this week, we invite you to come forward. This is the time to come forward and allow God to minister to you. Sing another verse of that song. And we're going to leave this offer open for another two minutes. But don't let pride keep you from the greatest day of your life, the greatest deliverance, the greatest thing that God has for you. He can't do it unless you turn the thing on. He can't. I want to say something about that. The last time I spoke, this message was in 2011. Yes, I remember. And when we had an altar call, we had another prolonged altar, just like we're doing right now. And a person came up, and this person says, I've been in church my whole life bound by pornography. They got set free that day, 
That was in 2011, seven years ago. That person still is set free to this day. And that person is in full-time ministry in this church with their family. It was a millennial. So let me tell you something. That's why we're not here for ourselves. We're here because we know what God can do. If you will confess, God says, I will what? Heal. So one more time. As we sing this song, we're going to do two more choruses, three more. And then we're going to close and then we're going to go home. And don't forget tonight, Codebreakers. If you would like to hear more stern messages like this, I would like to know more about Radiant Life Church. Please visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com or download our free Radiant Life Church Arizona phone app at your Android or iPhone store. With it, you can connect with us, submit prayer requests, watch past church services or live streaming services, download sermons, check church bulletin for important events, register for events, access our online multimedia store, give financially, and much, much more. I would also like to take the time to encourage you to take your first step in embarking in your spiritual journey with us by taking our new members class called Radiant 101. You can do this by tapping the form tab on our Radiant Life Church phone app, select new members class, and fill out the form. Or register online at our church website at radiantlifeaz.com. Under the connection column, select new members class and fill out the form there. In response, we will contact you soon thereafter with all the information you need for a positive experience. Again, thank you for visiting us, and I look forward to meeting you in person. God bless.